for that. What a blessing. Uh, let's pray for some folks today, and I know we always do, but um, let's be especially in prayer for Wendell, Wendell Robinson. Um, know that he uh, experienced, he had a stroke this week. Fortunately, um, God spared him, um, uh, didn't have much damage at all, just a little weakness in his legs, uh, but he's home recovering. Uh, he's still certainly not uh, near where he would like to be, and of course he's not here, and that, you know, he's not feeling well if he's not at church. So let's do pray for Wendell. And, uh, also Mr., uh, Mr. Joe McKenzie. Uh, he's having, he's had a, a difficult last 24 hours, and, uh, we do want to pray for him, and also Miss Adeline, and those who sit with him, and, uh, Sandra and the family, and, um, there are lots of others, but those two, uh, come to my mind today, and, um, as we, as we pray. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for being the God who hears us, the God who answers us. God, we've mentioned two very special people this morning, Wendell Robinson and Joe McKenzie. We pray for these two men. Lord, we pray for healing in their bodies. We pray, God, for strength in their bodies. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to be with them, that you would watch God protect over them as they're at home. And, Lord, protect them from any falls, protect them from harm, injury. And, Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to pray for these folks, along with many others on our prayer list. There may be, even be some here this morning who are going through difficult situations and trying times and hard times. And I pray for them as well, O oh God, that you would speak to their hearts. Father, remind us of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that you taught your disciples many years ago as we, as we bow and pray that together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Let's stand as we sing.
remain standing, please, as we affirm our faith together by reciting the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Pray for Matt and Patty now as they come and and sing for us.
Thank you, Madison and Matt and Patty for beautiful music. Thank you. Well, let's um, see if we can cover these last four points right quick uh, before we get to the table uh, this morning. And um, the cross certainly does make a difference. Last week, we uh, looked at the first three sayings uh, from the cross. And uh, like I said... I want to finish these last four this morning. It won't take too long to do that. Uh, we'll get through them pretty quickly. But remember last week we said, the first thing Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And then he said to the thief, you remember two thieves were there, uh, one on uh, each side of Jesus, and he said to one of them, today you will be with me in paradise. And then thirdly he said, woman, behold your son, Jesus speaking to Mary, And then he turns and he says to John, Behold your mother. Philippians chapter 2 we we use for our text to kind of kick start us. Let me read two verses from that chapter again this morning. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. Talking about Jesus. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, just like you and just like me. In verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man. Look what he did. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death. Not just an ordinary death, even death on a cross. The wonderful, marvelous word of God. Lord, thank you for your word. Now, as we look at these last sayings from the cross, may we be reminded that, Lord, these things really happened. Jesus was really crucified. Jesus really said these things from the cross. It's not some fairy tale. It's real. And had that not happened, we would not be here today because the cross does make a difference in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. The fourth thing there, and if you have your hand out, your little cross that we gave out last week, uh, you can fill this in. The fourth thing Jesus says from the cross, Matthew 27, 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, let me tell you two things that this saying does not mean. It does not mean that the eternal, everlasting, forever communion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was broken. Eternal is the key word. Secondly, it does not mean that the father ceased loving his only son. But here's the fact of the matter. That Jesus died understanding the seriousness of sin. That Jesus died knowing that sin separates from God. I looked at that word forsaken this week. And forsaken is one of the most painful words that a person could use to describe himself or herself. And here's what it means. Alone and desolate. So on the cross, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, was forsaken. He was alone. He was desolate. 
And that saying could go something like this. God, my Father, why have you deserted me? You see, Jesus being forsaken has profound significance in that sin had done what nothing else in the whole world could do. Now, what are you talking about, preacher? Here's what I'm talking about. Man could not separate God the Father from the Son. Demons could not separate God the Father from the Son. Satan could not separate God the Father from the Son. But sin caused the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to suffer the most devastating reality in the world, separation from God. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be separated from the people that I love. On the cross, you see, this is what was going on. Jesus was bearing the sin of the entire universe, and sin separates. At this point, Jesus reached the climax of his suffering. The soldiers had mocked him. A crown of thorns was forced onto his head and, and down into his, his brow. He was scourged. He was struck. Scripture says he was spat upon. And oh, something else happened. There were nails. Not sure how long they were. But experts say they were pretty big and pretty long. And they were driven into his his hands and feet. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What lesson can we learn, church? We must understand the implications of our sin. You see, it tears us away from God. So I ask us this morning, what sin is tearing you away from God? The fifth thing Jesus said from the cross in John 19, 28, he says, I thirst. Jesus, the son of God, was thirsty? Absolutely, because he was fully God and fully man. He was just like you and me. He was a human, and we find here Jesus expressing true humanity. See, he wasn't thirsting for God. He wasn't thirsting for his Father. He was literally thirsting for something to drink. Had the old cotton mouth before where you just needed something to drink, and that's the situation that he was in. So here we see Jesus in his humanity Asking for something to drink. So that tells me that he was depending on someone else to give him something to drink. He was on the cross. How could he help himself to something to drink? So what can we learn from this? That we must be willing to show our human weaknesses and frailties sometimes. And depend on other believers to help us and to come to our rescue. The sixth thing Jesus said from the cross, John 19.30, he says this, it is finished. It is finished. A triumphant proclamation. A triumphant pronouncement. The principle here is this, that Christ died completing the work that God the Father gave him to do. And he said, it is finished. He meant that he had finished his redeeming work. He see, he came into the world to put away the ugliness and the nastiness 
of sin by doing what? Sacrificing an animal? No. Someone else? No. His best friend? No. Sacrificing himself. Hebrews 9.26 says, He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the ages, He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. You see, Jesus finished perfectly what His Father gave Him to do. Can I say this to us, church? So must we. So must we. John MacArthur says this, and I quote, we must come, we must be more concerned with the work God has called us to do than the pain the work takes us through. I'm so glad he did, but why did Jesus endure this pain? You want to know why? Here's why. Because he saw the end result. He saw what was going to result from him doing what he was doing. Hebrews 12 Two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, get that, for the joy that was set before him, he saw the end result. What did he do? He endured the cross, despising the shame and, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. John Calvin, right, that should ring a bell to us Presbyterians. John Calvin, he said this, and I quote, He, Jesus, bore in his soul the terrible torments of a condemned and lost man. Remember the Apostle Paul and how he followed the example of Jesus? And because he did this, this is what he said at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have finished the course. Did Paul say it was easy? Absolutely not, because he goes on to say, he makes it very clear that it was tough. He, he describes it as being a fight. He said, I have fought the good fight. As I pondered that, as I have many, many times, I said to myself, I said, you know, that's the way all of God's children ought to live. Not just living life until it ends, but living life to finish the work God has for us to do. And if you're a believer here today, God has work for you to do from the youngest person to the oldest person. He has work for us to do. And then the seventh thing he said from the cross. And the final thing, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. How does Jesus die? How, how, how does he die? Entrusting himself to the care of God the Father. Aren't we to live the same way? As 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What does that mean? That means that, that you and I are to put our life, our death, our destiny in the hands of God Almighty. We're to live totally committed to God. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. All that we are is His. And we must trust Him for the outcome. You see, many people think they have control of their very own life when they don't. When they don't. 
You see, Jesus lived a perfect life and Jesus died a perfect death. Those are extremes, are they not? But they're examples for us. So the last words of Jesus, which came as he hung on the cross, summed up the greatest elements of life. And we are to forgive those who sin against us. We are to give the truth to those who are lost. We're to love selflessly and show compassion to others. We're to understand the serious implications of sin. We're to admit our weaknesses and allow others to help meet our needs. We're to finish the work God gives us to do. And lastly, we're to rest assuredly in the hands of a caring God whose promises are true. So as we come to the table this morning, Scripture tells us very clearly that we must come as sinless as we can be. It tells us that we are to examine ourselves. And as our elders make